Greetings, my good people. How are you? What's going on? Get ready for Christmas. We're just a week away as it's officially December 18th as I'm recording this at 12.40 a.m. So it's past midnight in the year of our Lord 2018, seven days away from Christmas and now 13 days away from New Year's Eve as we count down these final precious few days of the aforementioned 2018. You're listening to the J Reels Podcast. This is your host, J Reels. If you're wondering who am I, what am I going to talk about, what is all this uh, sports chatter that uh, you've probably read, whether it's on the internet or hopefully on any of my social media sites, well, yes, I am here to deliver everything that's going on in the world of the diamond, the world of the ice, the world of the hardwood, the world of the gridiron, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels Podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. So again, if this is your very first time, I greatly appreciate you taking the time out to listen to what it is I have to say, so welcome aboard. And for those who have been with me from episode 1 to now episode 44, I welcome you guys back. Uh, quite a bit to discuss here, mostly with the NFL. A lot of the other sports are kind of, eh, you know, so-so. But again, with Hot Stove and everything that has to do with what's going on in baseball, I'll touch on. The bowl season has begun in college football. I'll give you my two rusty red cents on that. Because to me, there isn't really much to report unless you're just a die in a wool college football fan. A couple of NBA tidbits. But it's going to be football, football, football of the professional variety. And we didn't have the drama-filled, action-packed, topsy-turvy, just all-out assault during that witching hour last Sunday like we had, whether it was Baltimore and Kansas City, whether it was the Steeler game that, uh, of course, didn't uh, go on until 4 o'clock which wasn't in that witching hour, but certainly ended up as being one of those wild, crazy finishes. Last week, you had a lot of that. This week, not so much. In fact, you had a pretty bad schedule, which we're going to trim pretty much two-thirds of it. But we'll kick off here just real quick, put this baby to bed as far as the Jets and Giants are concerned. Jets hung tough against the Texans. We all know the Texans have a lot at stake, especially after the developments in Pittsburgh yesterday. But the Texans went in, did the job. Deshaun Watson had a very good game. DeAndre Hopkins, what could you say? He's uh, certainly all-pro talent, made that fine catch that took the lead layer late in the fourth quarter over the Jets, where you had Jason Myers, who a lot of people think he's the MVP of the team, their place kicker. Well, he missed two extra points, which proved out to be critical. But even in the waning moments of this game when the Jets did have a shot, they weren't able to come up with the equalizer, losing 29-22. Although you still saw improvements with Sam Darnold, right, Not the greatest game in the world, but at the same time, he certainly made those throws. He does have a lot of moxie. He's a guy that you're certainly going to look at here next year and years beyond if you're a Jet fan, as we've talked about several times throughout the last few weeks here on the podcast. I know he'd been hurt, hadn't played, but all you want is just to continue to see progress with him, to see him make better reads, make better plays, be aware. Obviously, with the time off, maybe it has helped him a little bit. Hasn't hit that rookie wall, so to speak, considering he was on the shelf for a few weeks, especially after that uh, Dolphin debacle down in Miami there, what was it, around week eight or nine. And if you're a Jet fan, again, you're certainly looking and pointing towards next year and hoping that you're getting a clean slate when it comes to their coaching staff, which I think that will happen. So that's your deal with the Jets. As far as the Giants are concerned, for anybody that thought that they were going to be able to run this table and see where the chips fall where they may as far as getting an 8-8 eight and eight record, beating the Cowboys on that final game of the regular season, which they still can do, but 
by any means, they're going to have another losing season under their belt. Just a pathetic, putrid, and an all-out abomination. Just an embarrassing game. As Derrick Henry, I believe he just ran for another gash of 15 to 20 yards as he had 170 on the ground. And the Tennessee Titans win 17 to nothing at the Meadowlands. Eli, of course, the not of a good game. Uh, pretty much from start to finish, this was a game in the rain, cloudy, just an awful day to be at the ballpark. Again, it is December, so unless it was one of those 50-degree and sunny days, you would certainly take that and run with it. But with the clouds and the rain and everything that had gone on there, certainly it seemed like the Giants did not want to play. And obviously the Titans have a lot to play for here down the remaining stretch of the season. And of course, a lot of people are going to look at the offseason, which we'll touch on after week 17. Of course, Eli's name being mentioned again. Oh, is he going to be on this team next year? considering the performance that he put up here yesterday, or now two days ago since it's officially Tuesday. And Barkley, you know, Saquon Barkley did not have a big game, only had 31 yards on the ground. We know that Beckham was out again. I guess if you're a Giant fan, the only thing you're hoping for is that Dallas somehow, some way, loses to Tampa this week. And then you could go into that final game, close out your season, and hopefully spoil any chance of the Dallas Cowboys winning a division or getting into the postseason. Pretty much that's what you're going to hang your hat on. And again, just a terrible season by this team. A terrible effort there yesterday against a Titan team, which, you know, they can be had. I mean, they're a good team. They seem to be coached pretty well by Mike Vrabel, but they've had their duds this year. They had not played well in certain stages. And, you know, Mariota has ability, and he has shown that he can win some games in this league. But again, a lot of people aren't really sold based on not only just the back of his football card, but... Also, he's just been very inconsistent as far as his NFL's career is concerned. So depending on the day, you can pretty much make him turn the ball over or not be as efficient uh, in your game plan as far as the defensive standpoint is concerned. But on this day, pretty much was all Derrick Henry. You know, it's not as if they were lighting up the scoreboard, you know, throwing the ball over the lot, you know, whether it's uh, Corey Davis or, you know, any of the other uh, position players at the uh, skill position that is. So the Titans move on as they uh, certainly trying to gain some ground and trying to see if they could squeeze in through the back door in the AFC playoff picture, and the Giants again just playing out the string. As far as this past weekend is concerned, not a lot of sexy games. I'm just going to pretty much cut right through it. So if you're a fan of the Arizona Cardinals, the Detroit Lions, uh, you know teams like that that have certainly been long gone as far as being in any type of playoff picture or consideration, for that matter, uh, you certainly want to just uh, shut your phones or your tablets or anything off. But no, with being serious here, and I know it's late and I'm probably a little loopy, but let's just cut right to it. Packers-Bears, I know it was a game where a lot of people thought that this was going to be their last stand for the Packers, and to me, they've been a team that I thought was long eliminated, but they were certainly eliminated yesterday losing to the Bears 24-17. As far as the Bears are concerned, they certainly put themselves in good position, 10-4, and especially with the Rams losing, and we'll get to that in a minute, uh, just to try to inch themselves closer to a two-seed. Uh, Mr. Biskey was, you know, effective, 20-26, 235 for two TDs. Aaron Rodgers, who had that long consecutive streak of passes and not being intercepted, well, that was snapped yesterday as he threw a pick. 25-42 for 274, no TDs. Certainly not a good game for Rodgers, and the uh, Packers will now just go quietly into the night. And believe it or not, at the beginning of the year, they were my Super Bowl pick from the NFC. So we could uh, certainly blow that up 
into smithereens as far as my Super Bowl prediction is concerned. But uh, that's Packers-Bears, Lions-Bills. Bills win 14-13. Uh, what's there to say there? You know, just that the Bills win and the Lions, another long lost season for them. Uh, Falcons beat the Cardinals 40-14. What could you say there? The Falcon offense finally had awakened, but obviously many weeks too late. Bengals beat the Raiders, so the Bengals finally get back on the winning column after losing a ton of straight games, and I'm hoping they win one of two because they're over on the number with six and a half. So if there's any rooting interest for me, not that I have any money on it, or you know, this is obviously just for fun, I'm hoping that the Bengals could squeak out one more win before they close out their season as they uh, beat the Raiders 30-16. to And uh, we'll see how that uh, unfolds in the weeks to come. Vikings had a 21-0 lead, and although Kirk Cousins had thrown a pick six to kind of make things interesting, and at one point it was 24-17, but the Vikings certainly went ahead with uh, a big run there in fourth quarter. Just looking at it quickly here. Uh, Vikings behind uh, pretty much Dalvin Cook, who had a monster game, uh, 19 carries, 136 yards, two touchdowns, and uh, they prevail 41-17 there in Minnesota and certainly keeps their playoff hopes uh, well above life support. Redskins and Jaguars, what's there to say there? Redskins win, so their faint playoff hopes are still alive. Jacksonville, as we all know, they've been long gone. Uh, One of the surprises, two surprises of the day, Cowboys came in with a five-game winning streak into Indianapolis, and what happens? Got shut out for the first time since 2003. Yes, a fat goose egg for them. Colts trying to see if they could get in through the back door, also at 8-6, and six, uh, but certainly not in the uh, AFC playoff, although they're in the hunt, but certainly not as far as it being one of the top six seeds in the conference. We'll get to that in a little bit. The other surprise was the Niners in overtime beating the Seahawks 26-23. Uh, Robbie Gould, the old uh, Chicago Bear kicker, uh, they snap it. Also, th- at the same time, they had lost 10 straight to the Seahawks, so that had to feel good for them. Remember, they played them a couple weeks ago and got embarrassed up in Seattle, so they were able to bounce back there. And Nick Mullins, who everybody thought after that first game against the Raiders where he threw, what, three touchdowns and was very efficient in the air, kind of had a similar game, only threw one touchdown, was 20 for 29 for 275, and uh, pretty much uh, controlled the game and managed it pretty well. And uh, although the... Seahawks certainly put up some big numbers on their end, 23-31 for 237 for Russell Wilson. And Chris Carson had a buck 19 on the ground, but it wasn't enough as the Niners prevail in San Francisco, 26-23. Let's see, what else do we got here? Two other games, or three other games. Uh, Ravens and Buccaneers. I watched uh, a lot of this as uh, I had some interest with the Ravens breathing down the Steelers' necks. Now, the Bucs are a bad team. They certainly had their opportunities Lamar Jackson will actually play pretty well. And the Buccaneers did have their chances, but certainly didn't capitalize on, again, when you're a bad team on the road, again, in the rain, uh, and you just knew they weren't going to either come close or pull this out as they lose 20-12. to 12. The Ravens uh, certainly have been playing well after going 4-5. and five. They had actually won four of the last five to get to the position where they are there in the AFC as they currently have the sixth seed in the uh, AFC, of course, uh, with the Steelers right above them, and we'll get to them in a second. The other couple games that I missed out on, Eagles-Rams last night, or two nights ago now, because you had the Eagles, who had just a brutal loss to the Cowboys the week before, and you figured that their season is going to be left for dead going out to L.A. to the left coast to see if they could somehow, some way save their season, and they certainly did that. Jared Goff did not have a good game. I had a couple of picks, although he had uh, 350 yards passing, but for him, just a bad game all around. 
And the Rams, who knows? Are they starting to run out of gas here? You kind of wonder. I mean, the injuries bug is starting to hit them. We know Cooper Cup's been out, and we all know that Jared Goff, that's his favorite target. Todd Gurley, he's certainly not 100%. And with the workload that he's had this year, uh, it certainly seems like it's certainly taking full effect with how he's performed. And you kind of wonder here down the stretch whether or not he'll get some rest. There's only two more weeks, and they're playing Arizona and San Francisco to close out the season. And I'm sure he's going to get some reps, and the Rams certainly need these games. But you kind of wonder what his workload will be heading into the uh, postseason, and especially if they have a bye where they'll probably see if they can give him three weeks off. But that's, again, for probably not this coming Sunday, but the following. So we'll certainly continue to keep our eyes on that. And the Eagles, it's amazing. Carson Wentz has this back injury. There are reports that he may actually be put back in the lineup. But now we have Nick Foles, who Foles did what Foles does. You know, he plays well in that backup role. Certainly had a good game. Not a great game, but certainly had a good game. Wendell Smallwood certainly had a big game with two touchdowns. And the Eagles at 7-7 seven and seven, haven't gone away yet. You would think this team would have been long gone considering the pretty much like from weeks 10 to 12. They lost some just bad games there uh, during that stretch, including the Cowboy game, as I mentioned just last week, in overtime. And now here they are at 7-7, seven and seven, and they have Houston coming into their building this weekend. So certainly not going to be an easy task. And then they wrap up their season at home, these final two games with the Washington Redskins. The Thursday night game was just fascinating on many levels. You had the Chiefs and the Chargers, and it looked like with just three minutes and change left, the Chargers were down 14 points. They were able to cut it to seven, and then they get the ball back. And what do they do? Not only did they march down for a touchdown, some big throws by Phillip Rivers there, and the Kansas City Chiefs certainly is typical. Andy Reid, and you kind of wonder, he usually – Spits the bit in these games come January, but maybe he's uh, warming up for these uh, playoff games that are going to take place in the near future. Well, here they were, 28-27. They get the touchdown now, and it's pretty much the final play of the game. And what do the Chargers do? They go for two, and who gets the winning two-point conversion? Mike Williams, who only torched that Kansas City defense for three touchdowns, two in the air, one on the ground. And just an awful loss by the Chiefs. This is a team that a lot of people think, and who knows, can they go to a Super Bowl? I think they can, but we all know two things. Their defense and Andy Reid. And I've said this time and time again. Go back to the previous podcast, and you can go back six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks. That's how far back I go, and you certainly can't trust this team. And what you saw yesterday, now mind you, Kansas City and San Diego, or the L.A. Chargers, excuse me, Chargers never win there, and I believe they had lost something of – Nine straight games to the Chiefs dating back to, you know, four or five years ago. And now here they are, season on the line in a sense where you knew that if there was going to be any chance for them to get a one seed or get close to the one seed, they needed to win this game. They lost to Kansas City week one way back there in the first uh, weekend of the NFL season. And just what a performance and what a win by the Chargers. And you kind of wonder, they have a lot of moxie, a lot of mojo going uh, they have the Ravens coming into their building this weekend. Not going to be an easy game. Kind of wonder what the turnout's going to be uh, for those Charger fans if they're going to drive up the, what is it, the uh, 405 or you know the 5 interstate to get to the game. So the Chargers are certainly doing some big things. You kind of wonder how that's going to uh, unfold there as we uh, head down to these final couple games in the regular season. And now Kansas City goes to Seattle next week, so who knows. With a Charger win and a Chief loss, guess what? Chargers will be a one seed in 
the AFC. Uh, the Monday night game, you had the Saints and Panthers. Did not really watch much of this, but the Saints prevailed. It was tooth and nail. Uh, Saints now put themselves in really good position in the NFC to get the one seed, considering that they're now a game and a half ahead of the Rams, considering the tiebreaker that they beat them head-to-head, and now they have a, just a game lead. They're 12-2 and with the Rams 11-3. and So they've with this win tonight, has pretty much put them in the driver's seat to have home field throughout in the NFC. As far as the Carolina Panthers are concerned, you kind of wonder if Ron Rivera is going to even stick around after this. Remember, they have new ownership with everything that happened with Jerry Richardson. And not to say that there's any fallout or they're not in favor of their coach, but I tell you, that's just a bad situation. You can't go from 6-2 and two thinking that you are going to have these two games in the next three weeks against the Saints, thinking that would be for a division. And instead, they've just kissed their season goodbye. Uh, and this game was at home for the Carolina Panthers. Just a bad performance. Uh, there's no other way to shake it and cut it. So Saints right now, obviously, excellent position where Carolina is certainly going to be scratching their heads and wondering how this all fell apart here down the uh, stretch of the season. And let's get to it, people. I think that's covered uh, pretty much all the games. That was a Thursday night game. Oh, Browns and Broncos. That was the second game of Saturday. Browns certainly made my pick look bad as they've won six games this year. 6-7-1 as they went in Denver. And Denver's playoff hopes are pretty much uh, out the window as well. Uh, give credit to the Browns for pretty much uh, going to the road. And uh, the way they played here over the last few weeks kind of makes you wonder, if Hugh Jackson was fired, let's just say for argument's sake, he was fired week four, week five, would there be a chance that the Browns could be playing for a playoff spot? I know it's a what if and it's all hypothetical, but it just makes you think that if Hugh Jackson wasn't part of the uh, coaching staff and, of course, was let go before that, would there be any shot of this team making a postseason? Well, I will say this, and I said this a few weeks ago, I'll say it now. The Browns are going to be a team a lot of people are going to pick next year. I'm not saying they're going to go to Super Bowl or maybe even win a division, but I won't be surprised that a lot of prognosticators look to this team to make it as a wild card. I mean, they had the talent. They certainly have made some major strides, and it was about time because we all know the Browns have been awful forever. And considering that they only won one game in the last two years before coming into this season, any turnaround, even if they won four games this year, I'm sure that would have been deemed uh, just a good season you know, for the Browns. But now here they are with six wins in their pocket. If they win their next two, they'll have a winning season because they'll be 8-7-1. and one. And I'm sure that's what the Brown Feds are going to look at because this is who they close out their season with. They are at home against Cincinnati, and then they go to Baltimore, which Baltimore is going to need the game. But I'm sure they're going to get Baltimore all they can. And I wouldn't be surprised that if the town would rally around this team, knowing that the Ravens, and again, this is old news, but we all know the Ravens are the former Cleveland Browns, and what better way to send the Browns into the offseason and certainly their former team into the offseason with both of them going home for for the holidays and... I tell you, just a, just a tremendous job there by Greg Williams. Does he keep his job? I'd say he doesn't. But you know what? He's certainly turned that team around. He's certainly put them even more on the map. And a lot of te- people have taken notice, and you kind of wonder what their status is for next year will be as far as making any type of noise and being you know, just a fringe playoff or if not a playoff team in the AFC. So certainly keep your eyes on that as we get into the next year, of course. And then to wrap it up, I tell you, that game yesterday, Steelers and Patriots. Now, we can look back to the game last year, and please, there's no rhyme or reason to even look at that. To me, when you look at this game, 
it's three things. Uh, now, we all know going into this game with the Ravens winning in Baltimore over Tampa, this was an absolute must win for the Steelers. They go to New Orleans next week and they close out with Cincinnati. And even though the Ravens are playing in L.A. on Saturday, which could be a big help for the Steelers as they prepare for their game Sunday against New Orleans. But knowing that they have those two games, which are not going to be easy games, and then Week 17, we just talked about Cleveland, maybe perhaps wanting to upset the apple cart there in Baltimore when Pittsburgh hosting Cincinnati. They certainly would not have destiny in their own hands as far as winning the AFC North or even a playoff berth at that. So now you go into this game yesterday, and as this game unfolds and it shakes down, the two things that you see that just startle you was the performance of Jalen Samuels in the game. Now we understand that the Patriot defense can't stop me in a run game. But just to think that Samuels, who did nothing in the game against Oakland, now he was able to catch balls out of the backfield. He was very productive uh, as a pass catcher. But as far as running the ball, he was stuffed left and right. I think he had 11 carries to 21 yards against the Raiders. And here, he rushed for over 130 yards on 19 carries, slicing and dicing through that Patriot secondary. And to me, that was just a big lift for the Steelers early on because they needed to get the momentum offensively in their own hands. And then the other big story in this game here is all the Patriot mistakes. I mean, all the penalties, all the false starts, the illegal shifts, the holdings, everything, and even the drop passes. It was so unpatriot-like. Steelers finally got some breaks there. And obviously the biggest play of the game was as the Patriots were driving at 14-10, and then Brady, I don't know what he was doing. Well, we find out after the fact that he was just trying to throw the ball away. He was getting rushed. And the Steelers had a good rush. TJ Watt had a great game, had a bunch of pressures in the sack. And he just threw it up for grabs there and toward the right corner there and uh, right before the end zone. And Joe Hayden makes a very acrobatic play, pulls the interception. That drive led to the field goal with Chris Boswell, who missed the field goal earlier in the game. And that was just a clutch kick for him. They needed that in the worst way because the Patriots then, as they get the ball right there, two-minute warning, and they march down the field and they kill themselves. They were first and goal. They had... Two penalties that took him back a hold and then a false start, which pretty much put him at the 25-yard line. And they weren't able to get the ball in the end zone. Steelers finally switched up and played man. You would think they would have learned after all these years in playing the Patriots. But during that final drive, they were trying to keep everything in front of them, of course, and they played man. That's why Brady, they were getting some pressure on him, had a little happy feet there, certainly wasn't comfortable in the pocket. And the Steelers go ahead and prevail and win 17-10, which was just a monumental game for this organization. Because they would have lost their fourth straight game. They would have fallen from a four seed to eighth in the AFC. And chances are, with New Orleans on the horizon, there was no way they were going to make the playoffs. I mean, barring now, of course, they would have won in New Orleans. But are you expecting that right now, considering how the Saints are playing? And granted that they only won a 12-9 game on the road. But we all know in their building, they're dangerous. And the Steelers live to see another day. And the advantage that they have next week are all eyes are going to be in that game the late game, in L.A., Ravens, Chargers. If the Ravens somehow, some way win that game, the Steelers know that they have another must game that they need to win in that building against the Saints. And if somehow, some way the Chargers win, not to say they have to take the pedal off the metal, but now they know that, hey, we could get a stranglehold, win the division, we won't have to worry about slipping eighth or certainly so far down that they're not going to make the postseason, which would really just be bad considering the where the Steelers were just four weeks ago at 7-2-1 and one, and looked like they were going to be probably as a two-seed. And we all know that's not going to be the case. 
So we'll certainly see what's going to happen here in these final two weeks. And the crazy thing is that there's not a lot of great games here as we go down the stretch. Now, next week for Christmas, let me pull it up real quick. Next week, week 16, we have no Thursday night game. You have the two Saturday games. Obviously, I mentioned Ravens Chargers. The first game is Redskins-Titans. So that could be a loser goes home because the Redskins are certainly hanging on by a thread in the NFC playoff picture. Titans, again, with a big win there against the Giants. Certainly outside looking in, but if they continue to win, they'll certainly be in the hunt. The other games you have this week, you know, Giants-Colts, Jaguars-Dolphins, Packers-Jets, Bengals-Browns, Bucks-Cowboys, Vikings-Lions, Bills-Patriots, Falcons-Panthers. I mean, you have snooze-fests. For games, Rams, Cardinals, Bears, Niners. The Sunday night game is good, Chiefs, Seahawks. And your Christmas uh, Eve game, if you're kind of wondering what you're going to have as you're sipping some eggnog and you're with the family around the fireplace or you're on the kitchen table getting ready to sink your teeth into some dinner before you get into uh, unwrapping some gifts and wishing everybody a Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, etc. You have Denver at Oakland. So, yeah, that, you could certainly avert your eyes on watching that nonsense. But uh, the two big games you have this week, obviously Steelers and Saints, as I mentioned, and then the Texans and Eagles, I think, for the Sunday slate. You know, we know Ravens Chargers is going to be big and Redskins Titans if you're into that. But uh, Steeler game and Houston-Philadelphia because Houston could certainly knock out Philadelphia with a win there. And then Houston needs to keep pace there in the AFC with uh, New England now as a three-seed. In the AFC. And let's go through that real quick. AFC picture right now. Top to bottom. You have the Kansas City Chiefs there. As the number one seed. And it looks like they probably will be the one seed. There. Uh, and you know throughout the whole playoffs. And that's going to be a lot of pressure on that team. Because we all know over the last few. You know X amount of years. They have certainly. Have not been able to win a playoff game at home. Especially with Andy Reid as their coach. So right now. They're uh, in the driver's seat. 11-3. and Houston 10-4. and New England 9-5. and now, of course, we all know New England has a tiebreak against Houston. So if they end up at 11-5 and five this year, both teams, that is, and it could possibly happen because Houston's going to Philly. If they win that game or lose that game, I should say, and New England, who has Buffalo and the Jets to end their season, Houston, their final game, I believe, is Jacksonville at home. So if they somehow, some way, trip up here in Philadelphia but win the last game and then Buffalo and the Jets lose to New England, guess what? New England's going to be a two-seed. But if they win out, New England's going to do no worse than a three, and then Pittsburgh's going to be locked in the four if they somehow, some way run the table. Remember, they have that tie, so it certainly doesn't bode well for them as far as any type of tiebreakers are concerned because they would just have to not only win out, but they would need other teams to lose in order for them to get the three seed in this case, or even they can't, they wouldn't even be able to get a two seed unless Houston loses the next two games and the Steelers win the next two games, which we don't see that happening. And then obviously New England would have to lose one of two. But though, again, those two games are at home and I don't think there's no way, shape or form that they're going to do that. Now, mind you, the Patriots have not lost two straight games in December up until yesterday, dating back to 2002. Well, I don't expect them to not only lose three in a row, but three or four to close out the season. I don't think so. So that's what you have there. And then your five and six seeds, as crazy as this may sound, the Kansas City Chiefs, who are tied with the L.A. Chargers, who are fifth in the conference. But as we all know, the Chargers, 
holding at the five. They right now are eight and two in the conference. So their conference record, and they only have the division record. So if Kansas City wins their final remaining division game, they're pretty much going to lose out on that one seed. So you really need to have the Chargers win and Casey lose a game. If the Chargers win two games and Casey loses one game, then the Chargers are going to be the one seed. But as of right now, they're going to be a five seed. And then the Ravens are currently at the six seed at eight and six, but they uh, have Indianapolis and Tennessee breathing down their necks. And Indy and Tennessee play week 17. So who knows? If Baltimore trips up here, Indy and Tennessee could certainly get a crack at getting a six seed in the AFC. And if you're wondering what's going on, I'm actually, again, I'm in Tampa, I'm sitting in a hotel room. So if you're hearing motorcycles and trucks and things of that nature, it's uh, unfortunate because I happen to be outside my room, but that's what happens when you're on the road and you're doing a podcast like this. So that's what you have there in the AFC. As far as the NFC is concerned, we all talked about the New Orleans and uh, the Rams as far as their one and two seeds. And the, uh, the Saints are certainly in the driver's seat there, as I've said a couple times. Now, here's the fascinating thing as far as the three seed with the Bears. If the Bears somehow, some way, finish with the same record as the Rams, and the Rams, right now, they're playing. They're going to play Arizona and San Francisco, as I said. So you wouldn't think that there's any way, shape, or form that they could lose any of those two games. Chances are they're going to be a two-seed. But if they somehow end up with the same record, the Bears will get the two-seed because of the win, the tiebreaker that they had last Sunday night. So the Rams would certainly be a three-seed. But you would think it would be chalk as we round out the NFC with the Bears as a three-seed, Dallas as a four at eight and six, Seattle, even with their loss, eight and six, they have the five, and then Minnesota, seven, six, and one, where you have Philadelphia, Washington, both at seven and seven, and hoping somehow, some way, even more so Philly, because Washington right now, I don't think they'll, they're going to prevail. They have the Tennessee, which is not going to be an easy game on the road, and they wrap up against Philly. We talked about Philly's schedule the rest of the way. Minnesota has at Detroit, and then Chicago at home. Chicago may need the game, so it's going to be interesting to see if the, you know Minnesota, if they don't win out, could Philly or even Washington sneak into that sixth seed? Uh, certainly remains to be seen. Seattle's going to be pretty much entrenched at the five unless they fall apart. Now, mind you, Kansas City goes to their building uh, next week, next uh, Sunday night, and then they wrap up their season with Arizona. I believe that game is in Seattle, if I'm not mistaken. So let me just double check that. Seattle, what is their home record this year? Uh, of course, I can't look that up. But anyway, it's, it's going to be Arizona, Seattle. That's your AFC and NFC playoff pictures. It's going to be riveting down the stretch. I know not a lot of great, sexy games, but as we all know, from one week to the next, you could get that upset. You could get that shocker that you certainly didn't foresee coming. So here we go, people. Fashion your seatbelts as we get down to the final two weeks here of this NFL season before we host the wild card. Not we, but the NFL hosts their wild card weekend uh, the first Saturday and Sunday, January 2019. As far as the college football stuff, I'm not going to get into that only because there's a zillion bowl games. Nobody really cares unless you are an alma mater of a certain school or if you are so into college football, and there's too many bowls to get into. Uh, what can you say? You you only look at the four teams. All right, you want to look at the Rose Bowl, and of course that's the granddaddy of them all. I get that. But all we want to know are the four teams that are going to play on December 29th, who are going to win those for the right to play for the national championship, and that's it. 
to me, all those other bowls are meaningless. Who cares? I know that may sound insensitive toward the college football fan. I know they may look at it as like, oh, yeah, there you go, Jay Reels. Way to big up college football. But let's face it. So a lot of these big players do not play in these bowl games. You know, they want to forego that. Excuse me, to go to, you know, to the NFL draft. They feel like, hey, they don't want to get hurt. They don't want to ruin whatever stock that they may have before they go into the combine in February. So oh, why even bother watching these games? And I understand you get the wild college football game every now and again or, you know, some of these uh, bowls as you get later uh, in the month of December that they, uh, of course, become fascinating where it's a cotton bowl. I know that's usually on New Year's Day. Uh, You know, some of these other bowls that are played. But let's face it, people. I mean, unless you're there night in, night out over the course of the next 14, 15 days and you say to yourself, oh, I got to be there 8 o'clock or 3.30 on a Friday or... uh, uh, who has time? I know that may sound crazy, and me, you know, the reason I'm doing a sport, you know, I do this podcast each and every week, and you would think that I would have some say on it, but let's face it, you know, is everybody going to go crazy for the pinstripe bowl at the University of Miami? I understand the University of Miami, but you know, they've had an underachieving year. Uh, you know, are people going to you know run to that stadium to to watch this game? Well, you know, some of these other bowls. You know, I was watching one of the bowls this, you know, as I was getting food today. One of the bowls, I think it was uh, Alcorn State and N, I think it was uh, North Carolina AT&T. I understand that's for, you know, African-American colleges. I understand it's, it's a different type of bowl. But uh, listen, you could be the biggest, most gigantic sports fan in the, on the planet. But are you really going to sit through three hours of that? No offense to those universities. No offense to the other universities. But let's just, I mean, let's call it as we see it. Uh, you know that that's I mean well, I don't know more else I could say I don't know what else to add but be that as it may uh, of course when we get closer actually next week we'll talk a little bit about the college championship because that's going to happen two days before the 31st which will be the final podcast of 2018 so next week we'll get a li- into a little bit of the uh, college championship playoff uh, which again takes place there uh, December 29th which is on a Saturday which is good because a lot of people will be off I believe it's 4.30 and 8 of those games. So uh, everybody be glued to watch that. And again, for those who have been under a rock for the last couple of years, it's going to be Alabama and Oklahoma, which I think is going to be fascinating because it's going to be two against Kyler Murray, the Heisman Trophy candidates. And we all know that Kyler Murray ended up being the Heisman Trophy winner. And then the, uh, the other game is Clemson and Notre Dame. And Brian Kelly had won his second coach of the year. I believe the first one had, had to be the year Notre Dame went to the National championship and got waxed by Alabama. Let's see if uh, we have another rematch of that. Uh, what would it be six years later? But again, that's for down the road. And uh, we'll certainly keep our eyes glued to that. Some hot soap stuff, people. Actually, it's been kind of quiet. Uh, I know you've got a couple of moves here and there. Today, the Astros signed Michael Brantley, the former Cleveland Indian. So he goes there. You would think Warren Gonzalez, which a lot of people didn't think he was going to come back, but he's pretty much going to take over the role for him. Now, Brantley's more of an outfielder, where Marvin Gonzalez does play outfield, but he could play the infield as well. So, and Gonzalez, as a, as a right now, has certainly hasn't signed. But as far as the uh, Mets are concerned, Mets were able to get Wilson Ramos two years, $19 million, which I think is a good deal. He could hit not really the greatest defensively, which would worry about you just a little bit because, and he's a guy who's injury prone on top of that. We all know defense up the middle. Ramos will bring that presence, but you kind of wonder, you know, how much he's going to have left in the tank. We understand that he can hit for power, and he's not going to be a big-time average hitter, but 
you know, he certainly is going to fill a need. Uh, makes you think that, you know, they tendered, uh, not Ploiecki, Ploiecki they're actually going to have on the team, but they tendered Darno. I'm sure you're going to get a backup situation between, for those two, how that's going to shake down in the, uh, you know, during spring training. That remains to be seen. I like the move with Ramos. I think he's a solid player. I did not want Yasmani Grandal. I understand he puts up good numbers in the regular season, but he's a guy that scares me. Well, have you seen his postseason numbers? Could you imagine the Mets making it to the postseason next year and Grandal's a catcher, and the guy batted last year in the postseason 107. Yeah, that's like a price you see at Walmart. That's how bad his uh, batting average was last year. And again, I understand people are going to say, oh, it's postseason. You know, hey, he did put up good numbers. I'm sorry. He could put up the 24-65. I think he batted like 240-something. Who knows what his on-base was. But uh, Ramos, I think, is better. Uh, better at the plate. Defensively, he's certainly not JT Real Muto. I know a lot of the Met fans were certainly after him. But, you know, we all know that these rumors, and whether it was Syndergaard or Nimmo or even Conforto for that matter, or more Rosario, not necessarily Conforto, uh, with the Marlins, but uh, we all know that that's, uh, that wasn't going to happen unless you got a third team involved, and then, of course, all the rumors with the Yankees. Nothing much on the Harper-Machado mix. I think Machado, from what I heard on a sports flash today, that he's actually going to meet with the White Sox. Well, the Yankees, that's not a surprise, but he's going to meet with the White Sox, so that's going to be interesting to see uh, if he actually, if there's going to be any interest for him signing there. You know, it's a ballpark that's, eh, it's not really a good ballpark. We all understand that, you know, they're not the Cubs. They certainly don't have the same cachet and same, uh, you know, the same uh, fervor of the fans and uh, the organization is concerned. But uh, as you're looking at Machado here, uh, I don't think he's going to be signed in the next couple of weeks. I think he's going to drag out to, through, you know, into January, as I've said. And uh, same for Harper. And that's pretty much it. Yankees haven't really done much. Uh, as well, the Yankees have, you know, still put, I can't say they really haven't done as much. You know, they've made their signings and we know who they are uh, and who they brought in. But at the same time, nothing yet there with the Machado front. Nothing as far as other starting pitching, pitching is concerned. You know, a lot of people think, hey, is Sonny Gray going to be on this team? Can they ship him out to bring somebody back? You know, I know the, the rumors with Harper and Cass were saying, oh, there's no way we're going to pay him. But, you know, the comparable or comparable to what happened back in 2009, the same thing with Mark Teixeira. And we all know what happened with that scenario. So you would think hot stove will kind of heat up here a little bit. And, you know, of course, in the next few days, not for the big fish, but just for other players that are involved. Uh, you know, nothing really is quiet with Corey Kluber. We all heard about rumors with him possibly being traded, but I don't think that's uh, going to be the case even with Trevor Bauer. But, you know, these things could pop up at any time or come you know out of the blue. So uh, we'll certainly... Continue to monitor it and to continue to uh, break it as it uh, comes along, break the news as it comes along, and obviously share my thoughts and opinions on that. Uh, NBA really isn't much to kind of to get into. I mean, the Knicks, uh, they were playing tonight, I believe. Let me just, uh, as I pull up the NBA real quick. They were playing tonight against the Suns, and the Suns are probably the worst team in the league. I think they have five wins, even worse than Cleveland. Which that says a lot, and actually Cleveland has, actually hasn't played too bad. Well, guess what? The Suns waxed the Knicks one twenty eight one ten. So there you go. There, uh, this is going to be a long year for the Knicks, as we know. Certainly not a surprise by any stretch. But uh, the Suns, as I pull up their uh, record, Suns right now seven and twenty four, and uh, actually they're not the worst team in the league. They're the Atlanta Hawks six and twenty three, although they have one more loss, but the uh, Hawks have one less win. 
and we know the Bulls are bad, but the Knicks now 9-23 and 23, as they're uh, certainly going to wild there at the bottom of the Eastern Conference and, of course, the NBA is, is for that matter. Uh, the LeBron Wade thing I think was a little overblown last week. I understand that it was their last game most likely that they're going to play against one another. And the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because I understand all these news outlets, they're going to look at that. We know the history. We know the friendship. They're, there's a brotherhood with those two guys as well as Carmelo, Anthony, and Chris Paul. But for them to just look at it as, oh, the rivals, and not only, you know, I mean, these guys were never rivals. Rivals are Magic and Bird. Rivals are Jordan and Isaiah. Those are rivals. For them to even think, and I understand they may look at it as a quote-unquote friendly rival from their early days when, obviously, LeBron in his first tour of duty with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and then you had... Dwayne Wade, who, of course, been with Miami, uh, obviously, throughout most of his career. And then they reconnected after those four years in Miami for that uh, one half a season last year in Cleveland before he went back to Miami. But for them to kind of make it as a, I don't want to say as a one-on-one, but as just like rivals, give me a break. And, you know, that's just the NBA today. Fraternization at its best. And we get that, and I'm certainly not going to look at it and frown upon it because those guys, obviously... Not only just being drafted the same year, but of course played in those four years, four finals, two NBA championships. We get all that, but I don't know. They made it just a big stink out of it, and I, it was just there really was much to do about nothing. But again, you know they got to f- find an angle. They got to look at see because it was LeBron and D Wade that uh, you know there had to be something to report, and then obviously the hug on the court and the exchanging in the jerseys and yada 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 and this that and the other and just yeah, it just grows tiresome. And it's not to knock on those two guys or whatever, but, you know, it's just the media. Just getting, trying to get into their heads, trying to say, hey, you know, you know, what's next for you, D-Wade? And, you know, what do you think about LeBron? And LeBron, what do you think about D-Wade? And, hey, listen, of course they're going to say the right things. Hall of Famer, all-time great, the greatest player ever. Not interested. As far as the NHL is concerned, nothing really much there. Um, as I pull up the NHL. Yeah, nothing really report there. You know, once we get into January, people, once we get past, I don't know, I'll lose one tonight, 4-1. Once we get past the NFL season and we get into January, and we understand it's going to be all about the playoffs, but we'll certainly focus more on that, and even college basketball for that matter. And again, college basketball is really not going to be much to report between now and the tournament. You're going to probably have a game or two. I'm sure the first Duke-North Carolina game, that's going to be one to watch or one to kind of keep your eye on as we all know who the combatants are there. But as we all know, college basketball is a sport that is pretty much a three-week sprint. And there really isn't much to add to that. You know, it's not like it was 20, 25 years ago where you followed these teams through thick and thin and changing of seedings and rankings and, who, you know, who's number one now. And you just kind of get that now, but at the same time, yeah, and you know who the players are, who they're going to be the one and dones, and pretty much what you want to do is in some of the big conference games, you want to get better, better look at these guys, how they're going to perform in these big matchups, and then on top of that, how they perform in the tournament. And after that, once they go off, uh, the you know whoever wins the championship, and then they go to all those uh, camps and the various, not necessarily tournaments, but. Uh, the combines and all that leading up to the NBA draft. And then you have the next set of recruits that are going to come in through these other universities and away you go. It's just not the same game. And it just, it's what could I say? 
Uh, I'm kind of talking like college football right now. But I guess it's getting late and I'm getting a little tired or maybe even a little crabby for that matter. But you know what? It's just good to be here to deliver everything that's going on in the world of sports. And whether it's college basketball, college football, hockey, etc. That's why I'm here because I love to talk about it and share my thoughts and opinions with you guys here on the J-Rose Podcast. And you know what? With that being said, I guess it would be best to sign off. I know it's kind of a, you know, I kind of didn't delve into a few other things, but it's been pretty much quiet. You know, whether it's baseball and what we just talked about, obviously NFL is going to be front and center right now. NBA is going through that stretch where even though it's now two full months into the season, but, you know, you haven't really had that any serious impact. We all know who the teams are. And I'm not just talking about the Golden States of the world and the Torontos. You know, Denver obviously has played pretty well. We all know the Bucks. Milwaukee's had a pretty big year so far. But again, once you get into January and certainly after the Super Bowl where it just kind of stands alone, them and the NHL, we could certainly really dissect and get into a lot of different things as far as the leagues are concerned, whether it's NBA or even the NHL for that matter. And then before you know it, pitches and catches will report and then we'll start talking baseball again. So that's how it is and that's how it goes. And here on the J-Rose Podcast, you'll uh, get a little bit of that and then some as I uh, go through the world of sports. For those out there who are looking to find this content, whether I'm sure you already know where to find it, but uh, whether it's through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, I don't know if you go through Spreaker, Stitcher, or even Spotify for that matter. People, if you haven't subscribed, I plead. And I'm not going to say beg, but I implore you to just go to your phones. It takes two minutes. As you type in the j podcast, you may or may not subscribe, but all you got to do is just hit that button, and I'm sure you get a drop-down window. Hey, well, how would you like to rate this podcast? It'd be great for you to give me a rating. Also, leave a review because as I uh, continue to say time and time again, by doing that, it will just increase the visibility of the program, and not only that, but also in this gigantic sports podcast universe, which would certainly increase its visibility and popularity, and then in turn would uh, generate more guests. And more interest to the program because people say, hey, this j Rose podcast, what's going on here? Oh, he's got a lot to say. Hey, who? what kind of guests does he have? What does he like to talk about? Well, that's where I need to help people. And hey, it's that time of year. It's a giving season, Christmas spirit. So please, besides sharing it to your family, friends, people who love, like, or just getting interested in sports, please do that and have them go ahead and subscribe. Uh, fill out a uh, review and also post a rating, and I would uh, certainly, sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, greatly, greatly appreciate it. You can also check me out on my uh, on Instagram, any of my social media accounts. Instagram, which is J Reels, Twitter J Reels one, just a number, and on Facebook, the J Reels Podcast will be my uh, page. You can also send an email or a DM to any of those aforementioned social media platforms, as well as the J Reels Podcast at Gmail dot com. Uh, and it goes without saying, people, uh, without you guys, without you listening and tuning into what it is they have to say about what's going on in the world of sports, uh, it's certainly, again, I'm humbled and grateful and thankful that for those who have supported me, whether this is your first time listening, fifth time, 40th or 44th time, uh, it goes without saying how much it means to me. And please just continue to support the program. I'm hoping to get into bigger and better things for 2019 and I'll certainly keep you guys posted on all of my social media sites. I know I haven't really been on top of it as much as I should. As I said, I'm in Tampa right now visiting some family and friends and obviously with the holiday season coming up, but I have some time off. I'm certainly going to concentrate on that because I want to make this show even bigger and better for you guys. Not even for me. It's for you guys. It's for you to listen to not only the 
informative and also entertaining, but more importantly, credible sports talk, opinions, thoughts, whatever it may be that I have to put out there for you guys to listen to. And without you guys, again, this show wouldn't be what it is and hopefully where it's going to go. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond. Peace, love, and God bless and everybody. And until next time on the J-Rose Podcast, as we'll put this out on Christmas Eve. See you then. And until then, on the flipping. page.